I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 221. and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. When you witness something, you can give evidence or proof of its existence. And when Jordan Feliz's song, Witness, calls for just that, what does that mean? It means that we're called upon as followers of Christ to give evidence and proof of not only the the existence of God, but His faithfulness, His love, and His glory that is evident in the world around us. Can you do that? Are you a compelling witness? And if you struggle with just what to say, perhaps you can be inspired by the Word of God. I can't wait to jump into it, but to get us started, let's listen. podcast, you may think that perhaps it's about the music, (laughs) but just like the title of the podcast, I want you to know that it's more than a song. It's about the very words that inspire the songs that lead us to worship and to consider God's ways. Now, I take the lyrics of the songs that we're listening to on the radio, and I allow them to inspire me to explore various places in God's word. And this week, it came from one phrase in our song, Your love is like a fountain, and it led me to Psalm 36, where we read, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So then I just read the entire psalm in context, all 12 verses, and I just knew that that's where I would be sitting and soaking this week. Now, I want to give you a few tips on how to better read the psalms. I I actually think that sometimes we can read them wrong and really get confused. And so I've used some great outside resources to teach me in this area. In fact, that's one of my bites this week, Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. These are uh, the, the, the habits that I use from um, each week to interact with God's Word. Now, using quality outside resources like commentaries and study Bibles can help you as you interact with God's Word. And so I often recommend those. However, my main advice is to start with God's word uh, on your own without getting those outside voices, right? And then pray for him to teach you before you seek the revelation that he has given to others. In fact, the resources that I use this week actually speak to that because these aren't necessarily commentaries. These are more academic books on how to better read the Bible. And so the two titles that I am using is How to Read the Bible for All Its 
worth and how to read the Bible book by book, both by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. I'm going to link to those um, titles in the show notes so you don't have to write it down. You can just go to michellekneezat.com forward slash 221 and you'll find the link to those books there. They are wonderful academic resources when you get to that place in your Bible study. But in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and share some of the highlights that I learned through my study. Now, the other bites, the other Bible interaction tool exercises that I used this week, some of them were to make a list and to meditate. And I'm going to go ahead and get to those as we proceed through the discussion. May is a very busy time of month, uh, time of the year for, it's a very busy month for my family. So I uh, used listening to the an audio version of this psalm. I and, and I did it over and over again. So I used repetition also, and I would read it at night as well. Uh, it's easy to do that in the Psalms. They're self-contained, right? So <laughs> Psalm 36, you have 12 verses to consider. You don't have to worry about when it starts and when it stops uh, in a story or a larger book like that. You can just stay in that one Psalm. And then when you read the Psalms, well, before I get to that, I do want to say, so I have a resource. If um, you've never subscribed to my website, you can do that uh, on my website, michellekneezat.com, and I will send you my top five bites, a, a one-page resource on my top five Bible interaction tool exercises that I use. So you might want to check that out. But as we get into reading the Psalms, and specifically as you approach Psalm 36, I want you to remember what the writers and the Hebrew readers of the Psalms would have remembered, and that's this. Yahweh is the center of everything, and our lives are to be predicated on our covenant relationship with him. And I don't want you to let I don't want you to let that slip by too quickly because that is definitely not the culture of our day, right? We live as the center of our own universe and we seek God to bless us. So I want to say it again, Yahweh is the center of everything and our lives are to be predicated, they're to be founded or based on our covenant relationship with him. Now, just with that, just that will change the way you read this psalm and God's word in general, really. Stop looking for a word or a blessing or a promise that you can cling to. I sometimes put it this way, seek God's face before you seek his hand. Then use the bite of praying. And I don't mention this every time I suppose I should. You, you've got to pray. You've got to pray and ask God to help you understand as you read. Pray and ask God to show you what he wants to reveal about himself as you read. Pray and ask God for a soft heart to hear the hard things as you read. Always, always, always pray. And now here's something that might be super obvious after you hear me say it, but Psalms are, are songs. They are musical poems and they cannot be read in the same way as an epistle, which is a letter, right? You know, every form of writing must be read differently. You learned that in high school. A Shakespeare play is consumed differently than even a poem or a a medical journal, right? So we often fall into the trap, however, of reading God's word the same way, right? Reading John the same way that we read Revelation, the same way that we read Proverbs, or the same way that we read Psalms. But they all use different literary devices, and we need to be mindful of that as we read them and as we study them. So how are the Psalms written? Well, they are intended to appeal to the emotions, right? They're songs, they're musical poems. Oh, and they were written in Hebrew. 
So unfortunately, sometimes the rhythm and the rhyme is lost in translation, literally lost in the translation. So have you ever read, um, and I, I do want to mention this too, have you ever read an article where the author is criticizing the songwriter for not fully spelling out the gospel in a song? I've read a few of those. And sometimes I just want to remind them that, you know, just like it's not a, just like a psalm is not an epistle. A song is not a sermon. Oh, and it's definitely not the whole word of God, right? So a good song is inspired by a truth or truths and then put to music, intentionally appealing to our emotions and often giving us opportunity to offer it back up to as praise to our God. And so while I don't like it when people put too much emphasis on maybe the lack of the songwriter, I have to firmly warn you, do not use Christian music as a substitute for knowing God's word for yourself. It's not going to cut it. It was never intended for that purpose, right? When it can serve that purpose, you know, when we, there's a few songs I've highlighted that are literally word for word scripture. Th- those are extra powerful, right? They only increase their effectiveness in our lives. But if our only theology is coming from songs, we're going to be in a bind. So, uh, and, and that's, unfor- and that's not what the songwriter is intending either, right? So we need to be reading God's word for ourselves. And as we slide on over to the Psalms with that same warning, I want to warn you of something else. Beware of over-literalization. In other words, not every phrase in a Psalm is a direct promise to us. Psalms serve as a guide to worship. They demonstrate relating to God in gut-wrenchingly honest ways. They are God's word, yes, but they also demonstrate the importance of reflection and meditation on who God is and what he's done for us. And they help us capture a sense of his greatness. And they are purposefully metaphorical as a guide to to help us pause and reflect on the truths that they convey. They hold great truths. But I think sometimes I've seen people take them out of context, a verse out of context as a a promise to cling to when they're missing the bigger picture, that it's a song guiding us toward understanding wisdom, in this case, wisdom and um, characteristics of God. So I'm sure by now you're ready to jump into Psalm 36, okay? So it is, um, just as a matter of reference, it's a Psalm of David. It is also in the category of wisdom psalms. And wisdom psalms, they praise the merits of wisdom, right? And the wise life. And they can often be read kind of like the Proverbs. And and you can apply wisdom to your own life, much like you would read some of the Proverbs. So I'm going to break down the divisions of this psalm for you. But when you study a psalm, specifically this one, it's really easy to do on your own. As you read through, it's going to be pretty obvious where the breaks in the psalm are. So in the first four verses, David is describing the rebellious or the wicked. In the next five verses, he extols the various attributes of the Lord. And in the next two verses are prayer. And then the final verse is almost like a vision statement for the demise of the wicked. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, if you consider the divisions of our song this week, the one that we're using as inspiration, the one by Jordan Feliz, the natural flow of the song kind of matches this psalm, right? He starts out in the first verse of Witness in the lyrics. He sings of being blind. 
All right. And the lost are blind. They're separated from God. And as we will soon see here in our psalm, um, what that looks like. Okay. And then in the chorus, Jordan Fleece sings of God's attributes. And then rather than a vision statement for the demise of the wicked, he has a call to action. He's calling us to give witness to what we know of God's faithfulness and love. But I just thought that was interesting as I was kind of reading over the lyrics of the song after studying um, this Psalm 36 for the week that I, I saw that there was like a, a, a similarity in the flow of the song. All right, let's let's jump into verse one. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to ask, act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. All right, so those are the first four verses of Psalm 36, and I want to consider them slowly. Uh, When I hear the word wicked, I don't want to assign it to those that I love, right? So I don't want to say, well, my lost family members are wicked. Just, I, I don't like the sound of it. But remember how I said we have to pray and ask God to soften our heart to hear the hard things. Just because I love them doesn't mean that I I can deny what sin is. And sin is wickedness. And I don't even want to assign it to myself because I'm a good person, right? Well, scripture teaches that there is none who are righteous. See Romans chapter three, verse 10. None are righteous, no, not one. So I'm wicked. My family members are wicked. The only difference between you know, me and the lost is I've been saved by grace. And so that my wickedness no longer counts against me, but only the righteousness of Christ. So we are hopelessly wicked from birth, scripture says. And so, but God, right? God has saved us. But so when you consider that word wicked, just, just don't set it aside too, too lightly. So as I pondered this week, I stepped into the shoes of the wicked for a moment to make sure that the qualities that are true of the lost are not true of me. Okay, so one of the first qualities is that there is no fear of God before their eyes. Spurgeon says that that wickedness is the fruit of an atheistic root. In other words, if, if God is everywhere and I fear him, meaning I have a healthy respect and awe for his being and his presence, then I'm not going to willy-nilly break his laws without thought. But if I don't believe him, if I don't believe in him, if I've, if I've got that atheistic root, those who are hopelessly separated from God have no fear of him before their eyes. So what is in their eyes? Well, themselves, right? It says in their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Now, remember what I said earlier, we need to remember that Yahweh is the center of everything and our lives are to be predicated on our covenant relationship with him. And when Yahweh fills our eyes, we see clearly, we're actually going to discover that in a a few verses right down here in this Psalm. But when we are the center of our universe, We flatter ourselves too much to detect or hate our sin. We can't detect it. And so we don't even see how ugly it is. Think about that for a little bit. Do you know people in your life who can't even see it? And and when we can't even detect it, we have no filter on the next part, which is our mouths. Verse 3, the words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or to do good. 
deceitful. Okay, I know that one. Lies and tricks and not truthful or forthcoming. But wicked, there's that word again. What does that one word mean? Well, when I use the Bible interaction tool, the bite uh, of doing a quick click word study, I see that the word translated wicked here can also be translated simply trouble. The words of their mouths are trouble. So their eyes are dark, their mouths are trouble, and their behavior lacks wisdom. It says they fail to act wisely or to do good. And when it's all about you, you fail to see the good around you that there is to do. And then when you move into verse 4, even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. I thought of a verse that's in direct contrast to this one, right? The opposite of it. Psalm 63, 6. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. So when the godly place their head on their pillow at night, their thoughts are are of all that they remember about God. And when they roll over in the middle of the night, songs of worship fill their mind. Those that are blind, that are lost, that are separated, um, thoughts of God never cross their minds. And so when I read that verse and I think of plotting evil, for some reason I think of like criminal acts, but I don't think that's what it's talking about here. David isn't saying they're planning a bank heist. But their thoughts are not on God. They don't fear him or even consider him. No, they just evil. Thoughts of sin and pride and self-promotion and you fill in the blank. So just consider anything that is the opposite of God and his holiness. And that is where the thoughts of the wicked will stay. And now the division of this psalm abruptly stops, right? So it's like, enough of this talk of the wicked. Let's talk about our God. So I'm ready about, I'm ready for that, aren't you? So let's move into verse five, five through nine. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So here's where I broke out my notebook and made a list. Now I love this bite, the Bible interaction tool exercise of making a list because it helps me do the next bite, which is meditation. Now, I love this definition I read in in those books I mentioned earlier in the podcast. They said meditation is controlled thinking on a discussion of God's word. I love that. And it fits right into this making a list thing, right? Controlled thinking. And as I read and reread these verses, I want to know all that I can know about God so that I can have fresh material as I pray back to him and as I sing praises of, of uh, sing songs of praise to him. I want to have new words and new ideas as I do that. And as I wrote out my list, I discovered some characteristics of God that the psalmist purposefully reflects metaphorically to help us to pause and reflect on the truths of who God is. And then as I wrote out those characteristics, I realized that the list that I was writing shifted from God's characteristics to the benefits to us. And let me tell you, as you slow down and consider it, it is amazing. Seriously. I mean, I teared up. I was in the co- I was writing all my notes in a coffee shop where I was studying. I was preparing. I, I was thinking, I can't cry in the middle of this coffee shop. People are going to think I'm crazy. But he is so good. 
please give yourself the chance to consider and dwell on his goodness. Find comfort in it. Find a sense of awe. Don't be like the wicked and only have yourself in mind. Place the fear of God directly in front of your eyes. So here we go. These verses talk about God's love, God's faithfulness, God's righteousness, God's justice, and God's care. That was on my list. And then the direct benefits of serving this amazing God that we serve with these characteristics that he has. The direct benefits to us include safety and refuge, feasting, life, and light. And if we didn't go any further, all of this would be enough, right? Meditate on that. Ponder that. Roll it over in your head. But let's go a little further. What do we learn about God's love and faithfulness? It reaches. It stretches. How high? To the skies. To the heavens. How poetic and beautiful. How limitless. Oh, and it's priceless. I can't help but think of the old MasterCard commercials, right? When something is so valuable that a price cannot reflect its worth, that is God's love. So what do we learn about God's righteousness and justice? Well, like the highest mountains and the greatest depths, how majestic and how profound and again, limitless. In English, right, the words righteousness and justice are synonyms. <laughs> And there means that he's dedicated to uprightness and moral standards that don't waver. He's without sin. So what do we learn about God's care? Well, he preserves and cares. And for you animal lovers out there, he preserves and cares for both humans and animals. Yep, it's in there. And all of those qualities lead to these wonderful benefits to us. What are our benefits? Well, we take refuge in the shadow of his wings. We feast on the abundance of his house, not the scarcity. Remember the wicked? They don't do good because they have a scarcity mindset. Like there's not enough to go around, so they keep it for themselves. But not us. We feast on God's abundance. We have the fountain of life, the fresh waters of life splashing up around us. Jump in. Jump in the fountain. Don't toss coins in from the side. Have you ever seen children at a splash fountain? We have one in downtown Lafayette. They they splash and they giggle and they don't just get their toes wet. They are all in with our loving, faithful, righteous, just, and caring God. We have the fountain of life. And with the fear of God front and center, we see. In his light, we see light. We are no longer blind. We are no longer walking in darkness. We can see. Can I get a witness? <laughs> All right, let's pray like, like David prayed. Dear God, continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against us, nor the hand of the wicked drive us away. Amen. So what's next? Dive into Psalm 36. Read it. Listen to it. Meditate on it. Store up in your heart these amazing characteristics of God. Consider the benefits to the upright in heart. Be warned by the folly of the sinner refusing to surrender to the limitless love, faithfulness, righteousness, justice, and care of the Father. Don't stop at my few words and ponderings, right? Pray and ask God for fresh vision and revelation as you interact with God's word for yourself. And while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, michellekneezat, and let's talk about what you're learning.
Now, before I tell you what will be featured next week, I want to thank the Premier Christian Music Streaming Service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's Word through music. And when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Josh from Pennsylvania, Liska from Nebraska, Marita from the Philippines, and Janet from Missouri. Welcome. New subscribers to my benefit, uh, my website will benefit from a one-page resource that I mentioned earlier of my top five bites that I, u- I have used on the podcast. That's a really great place to start. And then subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes. It's just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, there are so many ways to listen to the podcast. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern and always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And as always, you can subscribe directly in iTunes. While you are there, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? This not only encourages me, of course, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using He Still Does by Hawk Nelson to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 221. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.